Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cullum, and here we are with another great conversation with another youth worker. Today we have Jeremy Zach. He is an Orange Specialist with the Rethink Group. And if you are unfamiliar with what Orange does, just check out whatisorange.org. You'll be able to find out all that they do for churches. And this is our first time interviewing uh, a parachurch uh, youth worker. He also does some youth work uh, as a volunteer, but we'll get to talk with him and see how he really does ministry uh, alongside churches and really helps out youth workers. And it's going to be a great conversation. But before we jump into that conversation, we need to thank our sponsors because they're incredible. And without their help, this podcast really probably wouldn't even be happening right now. So thanks so much to WorkCamp NE. If you're looking for a mission trip to take your students right in the United States, it's in the Northeast. It's an awesome organization. We've been working with them for many, many years. W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P. NE.com. Do yourself a favor and check out their website right away. It's an affordable, awesome mission trip that's all based on service projects, helping the underprivileged by doing some uh, house repair, and it's just incredible. If you go to the second week in uh, New England this year, uh, you'll actually see us. Uh, Our group is going to the Springfield, Vermont location during the second week there. And one thing that WorkCamp NE is doing differently this year is stepping out of the Northeast. They're having one week of camp in Illinois. So if you are closer to Illinois and you want to check that out, make sure you do. WorkCampNE.com. We also want to thank our other sponsors, a combination between the National Network of Youth Ministries and Reach Youth New England. You can check out the National Network's website at youthworkers.net. They're actually in the process of redoing their website. It's going to be nice and fantastic and everything, so make sure you jump over there to youthworkers.net and reach Youth New England at reachyouthne.com. Both of these organizations go hand-in-hand to really do a lot of great things for youth workers. Really, uh, they're all about being better together. You're going to see that that phrase a lot on their websites and in everything that they do. They want youth workers to to partner together and they want to facilitate that. So if you've been wondering, how can I connect with other youth workers in our area and around the country, make sure you check out both of those websites at youthworkers.net. And if you're in New England, specifically check out reachyouthne.com. They are great partners for youth workers all across the United States. And one more thing, thanks for all the reviews that we have been getting recently and the subscriptions and everything. It's amazing to see uh, what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, wherever you want to. Um, we're on Google Play. We're on all these different th- uh, places for you to to find this podcast. Make sure you're leaving reviews and, and sharing it with other youth workers. That just help these, helps these awesome conversations to be heard. Uh, so thank you so much for everyone that's been doing that. And it's it's amazing. This is, uh, this is our 12th episode, and we've been doing it for a year. So uh, thank you so much to everyone who has made this possible. And with that all being said, let's jump into this conversation with Jeremy Zach. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jeremy. Yeah. I, I got a question first before we, uh, before we jump into conversations. Do you prefer Jeremy or Jay-Z? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you still, that's funny. I, I always start with that joke. You know, I always joke that my street name is Jay-Z, but then you look at me and I'm like this preppy white boy, <laughs> white boy wearing amber crappie. So let's, let's stick to Jeremy to keep it professional. Okay. All right. From now on, you'll be Jeremy, at least for the 
the remainder of the podcast. <laughs> but if like a junior high kid shows up with a skateboard, then it's Jay Z. <laughs> it's Jay Z. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, so Jeremy, let's let's jump into your story first. What? Tell yeah. us a little about yourself. What, what what God's been doing in your life over the last several years, and, and yeah. how He brought you to where you are now. Yeah. Um, I know with this type of question, people love to talk about themselves, you know, as I do, you know, especially when you talk about your story, you're so passionate and then you realize like only maybe your mom and maybe one youth group kid actually cares. (laughs) So I'll keep it simple and kind of sweet to the point just so you can understand how I've kind of got to where I am, you know, because it's always good to talk about past to where you are presently. So I didn't grow up in church. I was uh, raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, up north, don't you know, gosh, <laughs> them Vikings. And, you know, like classic suburban family, but uh, parents get divorced, right? Like, we never really went to church, so I was kind of starting to ask these big questions my senior year. I was actually, uh, my hopes, dreams, and aspirations were to be a fighter pilot, so that was what I was pursuing you do, you know, I was looking at the Air Force Academy, mm-hmm. parents get divorced. So I was like, I don't think I need that type of strict discipline environment for my life right now. So I was born in Arizona. So I still had, I had some connections there. And so I went to the University of Arizona and went Air Force ROTC. And I did that for two years um, and worked my tail off. You know, I was just so committed and to try to get this flight spot. Well, I, you know, I was in position to do that, but just back home was a train wreck. I had two younger brothers. So I really started to feel a lot of guilt. And in addition to really starting to explore Christianity and God, hmm. I was taking a lot of philosophy classes, asking a lot of like existential questions. And so I uh, was curious. So, uh, I, um, I moved back to Minnesota. I transferred to the university of Minnesota and I, you know, I, I, I kind of put my Air Force thing on reserve or pause, and I started just flying privately, flying little Cessna 152s. You know, I'm bartending, I'm working at FedEx at night, I'm just trying to get my college degree. Well, through the midst of a lot of crazy circumstances, I'm still asking this question of like, who's God? Does God have a plan for my life? Kind of thing. Really not going to church, but, and I'm sorry, you know, this kind of seems weird, but I really can't you know, explain it in a way, but like, I literally was just driving home from work. I forget what I was doing. And I kind of got this like thought or vision or, you know, depending on how you view theologically what happens here, like God started to speak to me saying, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you might want to work with youth Hmm. in the church, church setting, like completely so random (laughs) out of left field spooked the crap out of me. So I went home. I, and this was like, this is like uh, 2001. And I Google how to become a youth worker in the church. <laughs> so it gave me, it gave me, I don't even know what it was. It gave me like a five-step plan. So it was like one, get a college degree, volunteer, intern, get licensed, get a paid job. So I was like easy. So literally <laughs> the next day, I quit everything. I'm a man of extremes. It's it's a it's a gift and a weakness. <laughs> I quit everything. I call my local youth youth ministry up. I start serving and volunteering. I really enjoy it. I get some good opportunity there. Probably they probably gave me a little too much leadership early on because literally I I you know I got my ministry call and a Christian all at the same time. <laughs> I do not recommend that, but I was just my story. So here it was, some punk 21-year-old. 
Sorry, same, ha- and, same thing happened to Paul, so. Yeah, right. anyway, I know. Anyway, <laughs> so dude, that was 2002, and I realized I had a lot to catch up on, so I graduated college. I was like, what seminary can I go to where I don't have to wear a suit and pretend <laughs> I have everything together? I was like, California's a great spot, so I applied to Fuller Theological Seminary, went there, got a Master of Divinity. At that time, Sticky Faith was kind of an inception. I got a high school pastor job there. So I got really connected with Fuller. I got really connected with their research and what they were doing in 2004. And I was like, this is the jam. And I haven't stopped since. And so I, through that, you know, you get introduced to different networks and models and strategies and ministry. And so that was kind of when I was asking these bigger questions, sustainability, like how do you scale ministries? Because I knew I was going to be finishing seminary three years. And my high school pastor, I was probably like, I want to maybe transition out. So how can I build a ministry around it? So if I if I jump out or jump hmm. shit, like I don't want these kids' faith to die, but at the same time, where they can keep going without me. So that was kind of my my obsession for three years. Okay. In that, that was kind of how I stumbled on Orange and through relationships over the you know through five six years. That's kind of how it all developed, and that's where I am to where I am today. Okay. Wow, that's so cool. I. I, I love these conversations because I had no idea that, that yeah. that's what your history was. So that's, that's really cool to see, yeah. especially that God would grab a hold of you like with pretty much no experience and no, no idea that, you know, no past history with youth ministry or anything like that. Just like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. Uh, it's probably good because I had no baggage or cynicism at that point. So, <laughs> so you get banged around in a few church jobs. You know, I really didn't have anything to compare it to. Mm. That's good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going fresh. Cool. So, so transitioning now. So that's your, that's your history. Yeah. What what is yeah. what do things look like now um, for for people that don't know who you are? I, just a little history that I know you've, we worked in the local church for, for a few years. And then now you've transitioned over to fully working with orange, the, the rethink group, um, as a kind of parachurch organization. Um, and, and you're volunteering in the local church. What's, how does that all work? Like, how did that, I guess that transition happen and, and what, what do things look like for you now, um, currently in the ministry world? Yeah. I, yeah, I was a paid professional youth guy for about nine years and I, I wasn't, you know, like I was just in small, medium-sized churches. I felt like that was where, for at least who I am and how God's kind of gifted me. So I got to experiment a lot. So I, I you know, these mega churches, you can't really experiment too much because they got the model, they got the systems, which is great. Like I, you know, like, but I, I was kind of, I like to kind of poke around and play with different things. So I, I worked in that kind of level, especially with the, the relational model in which I really, really subscribe to, I, uh, I really did that. So I got to do that in Pasadena, Minnesota, in Laguna Beach. And so through that, um, I, I stumbled on Orange because Orange was a strategy that I really, really not only strongly believed in, but felt like, hey, this this answered a lot of the questions that I was asking about sustainability, uh, relational ministry, what would that look like, partnering with parents, you know, and get students' faith. So, you know, I read the book Think Orange and through the network of Fuller and connection with Atlanta, and I was like, yeah, you got to gotta check out this guy, Richie Joyner, you know, North Point, like what he's trying to do and like such a big scale. And like, so anyway, so, you know, I got to, you know, use specialties and sadness breakouts. I was like, wow, this is so fascinating, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just started asking a lot of questions and, you know, built relationship. That's what I love about Orange is so highly relational and, mm-hmm. 
and, you know, just kind of going after like kind of the trench in ministry. And so, um, at that point, you know, they were like, Partnering with parents wasn't like it was like a very popular theoretical idea, but practically, it, it, you know, a lot of guys were really scared of it. And so, I, but I was like, I was determined to like, hey, this has got to be a thing. And so, um, I was very passionate about that. At that point, uh, I had conversations and to say, you know, would you be open to being an orange specialist on the student ministry side to to kind of help come alongside some of these ministries to kind of just more or less just champion, encourage, resource, connect, and, and network with them, um, especially because outside of Atlanta, like, we really think the strategy is kind of really going in a lot of places around the country that mm-hmm. probably necessarily are more unchurched. So that was that was 2010. So, But, like, with any youth guy, like, I just spent four and a half years building student ministry to where I felt like I needed it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I didn't want to hit eject and, you know, all those stats yeah. like, oh, so like that was, I had this internal wrestling, but, um, but I was just like, you know, I was like, if I want to do this for a while, you know, where, where, where do I feel like based off my gifts and sets and passions? And, and for me, like I'm highly relational. I love to learn. And because of Fuller and the Academy really taught me how to deconstruct and to reconstruct different ministry settings. And so it really gave me a good handle contextually, but then also theologically, how to navigate this at like 50 different denominations. And so with Orange, we've, we're just positioned really uniquely, this, this very safe, collaborative, holistic organization that we've really kind of brought a lot of denominations together and to center around these this the strategy saying, listen, we may eternally or theologically have a lot of different approaches and methods, but if we're agreeing like, Hey, this next generation needs to be reached, then the truth is going to stay the same, but maybe our strategies may be different. So that's where it's been. So now, like now I've been here about six and a half years and to see this exponential amount of growth has been just incredible because there's been a lot in, in the early days, there was a lot of skepticism. I felt as though I had to really, in some probably more personal ways, like defend this model or strategy. But mm-hmm. now it seems so automatic that it's just now you go on any job site and it's, you know, this is a requirement for a lot of student ministries or family ministry leaders. So, right. so, so there you go. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Cause I, over the years, like we, our church has been you know, doing the orange thing for probably, I think it's been about six years actually. Yeah. I, Cause I came on um, just over nine years ago and we were, we were with another curriculum and everything. And then that, that curriculum with Stuart Hall um, yep. and everything, they, they kind yep. of got absorbed by XP three. And so we're like, okay, I guess we'll just naturally yep. go yep. over, had no clue what it literally was, you know, all right. entailed. And so, and then one thing led to another, we started reading the books, we went to the conference and all of a sudden we're like, okay. Yep. And, and we really were one of the first ones, yep. at least, in New England at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now you see XP3, you see Orange popping up everywhere, and it's, yeah. it's really cool to see everybody. Even yep. if they're not necessarily on the board with Orange, right. they get the family ministry strategy right. idea. Yeah, That's right. Um, and in particular, which I why because, you know, we'll err on the unchurched family, you mm-hmm. know. And, and not to say the new nuclear family exists. Yes, that's. I think those are the engaged families that around the strategy data, the nucleus and the engine 
but that's not it. Like we have to go out and look at those families that are aware or uninvolved and how do we talk the language yeah. to them? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the, the last, this last theme, the, you know, Monday's coming. Yeah. Just the right. idea of just thinking about the rest of the week, you know, how we're going to impact the community and, and, and really get out there the rest of the week. So that's been really cool. So for those that are unfamiliar with what an orange specialist does, what, yeah. how, what does ministry look like as an orange specialist? Yeah. So, so it's a lot, a lot of, you really don't know. <laughs> you, you can start like, and we're getting better at this because we're really, you know, with just church growth and really looking at the type of churches in which we're reaching and resourcing. So um, it, it really, it's a lot of consultations, strategy, brainstorming, how to tips. And so you kind of have this really broad stroke of, of getting to look under the hood of a lot of ministries from, you know, ministries of sizes of 12 to 500. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's a very, it's a, it's a position in which you kind of are on the back end of things and you're kind of almost, you just observe and you take notes and you connect others that are doing that same stuff. So it's kind of a lot of fun because you get to really kind of get to capture a lot of things that are working and not working and you kind of get to be right there at the ground level. And so in some ways you're kind of a diplomat for youth ministry that are thinking, think, think orange because you, you get invited in a lot of these conversations that you have to help, you know, provide some, some mm-hmm. talking points. But the cool thing is too, like, you know, our, you know, like I, I had a really hard time making this transition because when you when you're grinding it out as a student pastor for nine years, like that becomes an identity for you mm-hmm. that you attach to, and you're the youth guy, and you do family counseling, and you preach, and you set up outings, and, and that becomes addictive. Yep. And so that transition was really hard for me. I kind of had like a identity crisis because no mm-hmm. longer was I the point guy; like I was one of the many guys now, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I had a very hard time with that. And I think that's something that a lot of leaders don't think about when you kind of make this switch is that you kind of have to realize that there's something like now you're a part of a bigger team mm-hmm. and you don't get to just call all the shots anymore. You have to help provide contributions to a bigger conversation, yeah. which may not mean like, you know, you could be front and center anymore. And so that was a hard thing. So I, um, you know, thankfully there's a lot of really great churches here in Atlanta. So, you know, the ones I felt like, uh, you know, part of the North Point network. And so really plugged into there, started leading a small group. And we were like, Oh yeah, this is why I got in the youth ministry. You know, like that was great for me because I could just hang out with students and don't have to worry about all the programming and elements. And so, you know, and so that's a really cool thing. And, you know, thankfully here in Atlanta, like a lot of the student ministries meet on Sundays. And so, you know, this, this orange position is Monday through Friday. And so Sundays are really freed up for me to just have some hands on ministry and I get to pick and choose what I do. So yeah. I can speak or I can train or I can just, you know, like just hang out with students. So it's, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, it was a little hard to navigate that. I'm sure. Yeah. My, uh, at my last ministry, I was a resident minister and working with my mentor and, and on all, a lot of times we have the conversation, um, man, I can't, can't wait to someday be a volunteer again. Cause I'd be, we'd be right. awesome volunteers. We just do right. whatever we want and sort of thing. Don't have all the responsibility, but yeah. then you do think about, yeah, like what you're giving up in that you're giving up that, you know, being able to 
run the ministry, how yeah. you see it fit. And, and it sounds like an arrogant thing, but, but it's that it's calling very... that God has put on your life to, you know, you get almost say, okay, that, that calling's changed. And I kind of have to close the door on that area of my life now and move on to this next one. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, football players, this is like, or you're in a military. It's like, you've been tasked to like, you're mm-hmm. doing this thing for so long, right? And your identity is attached to it. It's just how it is. But then you get out and then you're lost. You're like, I don't know what to do. Like, because <laughs> you attach that identity to that calling, which yeah. it's a whole other conversation that I've had to learn, which <laughs> I can talk about a little bit later. But, um, but that's, that's the thing. It's the reality. Yeah. It's ego focus. Like that's who you are there. That's the question you ask. Who are you? Oh, I'm a youth pastor. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, conversations like I, I even in the last month i think in one of the facebook groups i was in um someone asked you know if you weren't a youth youth minister youth, youth pastor what would you do and uh, there yeah. were many of us to go uh i don't know because yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. who i am it's exactly play video games deliver pizzas <laughs> i don't know you know <laughs> yeah i would still volunteer because it's yeah. hard to say <laughs> yeah i know so 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 would you consider yourself kind of a I don't know, if, uh, like a consultant for those churches, kind of uh, that bridge between yeah. you and Orange. Is that you know? I don't. It's I don't know. The words are always kind of thrown yeah. around. Like <laughs> I, I would probably, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'll just be an advocate. Like I just, our friend. Like I think ministry's so lonely. You know, like I, we're we're here if you need you. I get it. Like if if you got a network or people there that help, but like I just think. Just in, youth ministry is tough as it is, and I think, thankfully, an organization like Orange who just believes, like, yeah, it's lonely and it's tough, and, mm-hmm. and if you need some help, like, we're here. It doesn't matter. You can take 15 minutes or 15 weeks of our time. We're here for you, and, and thankfully, that's that's what it is. So I'm never like, yeah, I'm a consultant. We're going to do two <laughs> weeks of training, and then this is what's yeah. going to happen. And here are the five outcomes. Like I'm like, you know what? I get that. I, I never wanted that when I was a youth guy, but I wanted to just pick up the phone and like, hey, I have an advocate who understands where I'm coming from and the grind of ministry. Please help. Like, I don't want to let, you know, I don't need to like sell you on like, oh, this is, I'm running a ministry of 50 and, you know, like I had seven salvations and three and a half baptisms last week. Like, no, let's just cut to the chase. Like, what's going on? How can we help? All right, here's some ideas, but here's seven other guys that are doing this really well. Mm. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's that's so cool, and I, I appreciate that too. Because you know, I love what consultants do and everything, but it's it's always cool to, for us to be, when we partner with Orange to know that we've got a friend in you guys. It's not just a yeah. we're not just buying a curriculum. We're buying not really buying a relationship. Right. But it's a, no, we're it's, subscribing it's to to it's a relationship true. there. It's true. Yeah, I think when you adopt something like you come into a network, and I think that's just yeah. Like with anything, you look at any type of brand, right? Which Orange is a brand of ministry, right? It's a strategy. And so when you get that, you become you become part of the tribe, you become part of the ethos. Right, right. So how many churches do you work with? <laughs> I don't really – well, we're, we're actually in a big restructure just because of the growth yeah. that we've happened. So currently <laughs> – which I know this is not doable. So when I say this number, <laughs> like it's, it's like – leading a student ministry with like three small group leaders when you have like a hundred students. But I, right now I got like about 700 churches that I, I correspond with. So we're trying to get better at, at how we're managing and like kind of streamlining a lot of this. But, mm-hmm. but I would say out of that 700, like probably a solid 200 that like we're really proactively going after and okay. talking on a consistent basis throughout the year. And you know, the cool thing is we got camps, 
we got events, we got tour, we got conferences and we got, you know, our day-to-day scheduling. So there's a lot of really good touch points of, of kind of the ebb and flows of ministry. And so we, we get to see and have a lot of good contacts. Cool. Cool. So before we jump into some tips and everything, I, I, yeah. maybe this is one of the things you were planning to share on the tips, but for people that, uh, for youth workers that are kind of in that daily full-time ministry, but they're thinking maybe God does want me to do some sort of parachurch sort of thing and work with mm-hmm. other churches and pour into other leaders, maybe in terms of that, like how, how yeah. would you approach that and how would you tell someone to, to maybe, you know, explore yeah. that? That's Excellent question. I know I talk to a lot of student leaders about. Here's kind of the thing. There's no magical thing. Um, but here's kind of like if I was going to say, hey, if I was going to write a blog post, here's five ways to do this. Not to say like this is bulletproof, but this will at least get you heading in the right direction. Is one you need to you need to you need to fully devote yourself to a tribe of ministry philosophy. Um, so whatever model you believe in, you need to fully believe in it. And then you need to find a network of people that you're, are your people. And from that, as you kind of then subscribe to identity, then you need to ask the question, all right, how can I contribute to not only this network, but to the global youth ministry network? And I think from that, and thankfully with technology and just even like podcasts like this and websites and just the, the hyper-connectedness of, of this very micro-niche mm-hmm. ministry community, you need to figure out how do you share what you're learning? Because I think everyone wants to learn. Everyone wants to share. So I think you need to figure out a platform how to share that. And from that would be a very in, huge indication of, of is what you're sharing actually helpful? <laughs> and you'll know because websites, like for instance, blogs, you know, like that was kind of what I did back in 2005, six. I just learned how to hack Google. Like <laughs> I was asking the same questions I knew a lot of youth guys were asking. So I basically just created a site that answered or tried to answer all the questions I knew people were asking. And so that's what you have to do is you have to figure out, all right, what are the, what is the tribe of people questions of asking what I contribute? Is it actually helpful? Hmm. And from that, I, and I know this is a hard deal, but you have to do that for free for a while. <laughs> and you got to like take on some investment and do that because I, I just like with anything, it's kind of like you're doing a startup in some ways you're trying to sell like your advice or, or your experience. Mm-hmm. And from that, if it's so helpful, you're going to get recognized. Now, I think that's the disconnect. I think most youth guys, myself included, think our stuff's very helpful, which I'll talk about that in a little bit. But if it's not, like, the community will know. That's why I love crowdsourcing. I think that's why, because if an idea wins, then everyone wins. But if that, if that person's trying to promote themselves, which we all know, like, that typically doesn't win. And so I think that's where I think if you subscribe to youth ministry philosophy, you have your people that are, you know, you're kind of creating this tribe mentality, which is why I love Seth Godin stuff. Because I think that's kind of the, uh, the, the reality of kind of even the youth ministry kind of community. It's that you kind of rally people and then you kind of co-create different ideas to kind of build upon the youth ministry future. And I think that's powerful. And if you are one of those voices that people are listening to, you have influence then I think everything else is going to fall into. You're going to get asked to do things. And so I think that's the piece. But I think that that, that piece to, hey, is my stuff helpful? 
to, is this more about me or my idea? That's where a lot of youth guys break down is because if they're, and I tell you like youth ministry guys, like we're one of the most, and I keep saying guys, I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> I don't, I, I trust me. I'm, I'm, I have really strong believe in women. And so I apologize for my stereotypes. So guys and gals, this is a breakdown for them because we're all very talented. We can all speak. We're all highly persuasive. And that's the problem. <laughs> but once you kind of get back from that, they're like, hey, like, actually what I'm sharing is it helpful. And then do a very strong self-awareness test based off your strengths and weaknesses. And then that's going to fit, right? So for me personally, I realize like, I don't want to be a youth speaker. I don't want to be doing breakouts. But what I do want is I want to be thinking about what type of breakouts student pastors want. Mm. I want to be someone that cares about a youth leader who's leading a group of 12 and I want to help them. And I think that's kind of the, the piece that I had to really wrestle with is like, do I want a microphone or do I want to sit down on the couch and just talk? Mm. And what does that influence look like? So that's the keys is figuring out your track figuring out your message and figuring out what type of influence based off your strengths and weaknesses that you can actually step into in a realistic way to actually help. Cool. I love that because I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of youth workers maybe even uh, forget about those, those other roles. Like for instance, yours that doesn't necessarily have, you know, all the lights turned to them and Hey, everybody listen to Jeremy Zock. Um, right. He's going to be our main stage speaker at, at orange conference. Right. Um, but but at the same time, you can still have a lot of influence and and really help a lot of churches by you know working you know maybe some of those more sure. behind the scenes jobs. But if that's where God's really gifted you and where you really truly feel like you're supposed to serve in the kingdom, then we get we I think a lot of times we need to open our minds to those possibilities because not everybody's supposed to be the main stage speaker at, at the big right. conferences. That's right, and they're great. And honestly, I look at and see those. Like that stresses me out so much, <laughs> you know, like that is a lot of work, a lot of pressure. Like I'm just not gifted for like, you know, like I just, but there's some guys and girls that can do that. And, yeah. and that's, again, it's a very, it's, it's again, it's an identity ex- exploration of asking who am I, where do I belong and how can I contribute? Hmm. Cool. Well, you've shared some great stuff already. Are there any uh, other tips and tricks that you picked along the way that you're like, hey, I, I would love to share this with other youth workers or maybe even yourself, you know, going back in time, you're like, I should share, uh, tell this to, to Jeremy 10 years ago. I'd really help him out. <laughs> Why don't I talk a little bit about, because I get asked this question a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what happens is a lot of student pastors and leaders they have this self-pressure of like, I want my ministry to grow, either numerically, spiritually, like whatever their metrics is. But I find youth ministry is hard, regardless, you're sitting here listening to this and like, I got all this, I got leaders, I got a budget. Like, it's hard. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. Like, I, I've, I've seen it. I've done it. Like, I know it's hard. So... What do you do when you get stuck? Because I believe that like youth ministry growth is kind of like an S curve, like a sideways S. There's a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ups and downs, right? And so you have to always be asking the question, where am I gaining momentum? Where am I losing momentum? Or where do I need to start momentum? So for me, I just assume that most ministries have some good momentum. 
while simultaneously they're losing momentum. So what do you do when you get stuck? Hmm. What do you do when you can't figure it out? You're kind of like, you have, you're, everything's kind of seemed to be dialed. What do you do? So here's just kind of like some just assessments or gauges that I kind of like tend to think about, like, cause I think, especially now, you know, I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but what I find is everyone starts so excited in the fall, you got great programs and then things kind of start to collapse in the winter, you know, students start getting into stuff and drinking and drugs. And so, you know, like family start it, like just the winter is just like a time of just kind of like dipping. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of just some really simple things to kind of start thinking about, like asking the question of, where in my program or in my ministry is it mediocre? And this goes back to those questions. Where are we gaining momentum? Where are we losing momentum? Or where do we need to have momentum? And I think these three questions kind of start to encourage that leader to start to move from stuckness to effectiveness. What's really slowing this ministry down? Because I think asking these questions, you have to take an honest and humble look at what it is and just realizing, hey, I'm losing momentum somewhere because it's just how it is. Like if you focus on two or three things, that means you're not focusing on others. And so you kind of have to keep making this like this like balance switch, which is like this is what leadership is, right? Like, but I think it's healthy. Sometimes people just get so fixated on one or two things and they just keep with that rather than kind of keep into the first. So, so finding out what's mediocre and then modify it. Other thing is working on culture, downloading your DNA for your ministry. I get, I think inherently people are like, Oh, I want, I want my ministry to grow. I want this. But, but in order for something to go, it has to be healthy. And I think health breeds health. So you need to be injecting and downloading your DNA culture. And so if you don't know who you are, I think you're going to just mm. keep losing people away. So really just fix down like who it is. And this is probably your personality a little bit or your team's personality. Like just keep downloading that. Like at Orange, like we just hammer culture all the time. Like we're collaborative, creative, fun, strategic organization. Like, that's it. We love people. We love God. We're super passionate. Like, we're kind of weird in some ways. Like, we just keep nailing down our culture and we just keep downloading that. And ministry, hey, we're a ministry that's, you know, we're, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to have fun. We're going to share. Like, we're going to laugh. We're gonna, you know, like, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to be very simple. We're going to be very strategic. You know, everything's going to align. Like, so you just kind of keep having to talk about your spe- specific culture that you can only lead. Hmm. And I think that's what's beautiful and unique. And I think that's where a lot of leaders lose it because mm-hmm. they get so fixated on the trips and ticks that they don't really figure out like, oh, actually this, we need to kind of create this thing a little bit to get some identity. Because once you get that identity and people start to attach to that, because people emotionally connect to something like a brand. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of create that. I know people get, oh, you it's a brand, and, but it is like. It's business. Like, this is what it is. Like, we are creating a brand. Yep. And need people to emotionally connect with that. And I think that's why, I, 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 you know, I hate to say this, but some guys, like, and girls, like, they don't know how to create a brand. Like, oh, we just branded on Jesus. Well, guess what? This youth culture hates Jesus or maybe <laughs> even church. So that's a really bad, like, you got to figure out some unique things about Jesus and then take it. Like, he loves people. He loves to serve. Brand it on that. Then lead him to Jesus, right? So... Uh, I, I think that's kind of where you have to figure that out. And that, that, that's an art and that's, what's fun. That's when you kind of get a creative board and you start asking questions and get your team like, all right, what do we value? Like, I think that's so good. So you kind of kind of have to do that. The other thing is expanding your environments. I think that, um, 
that, that there's some, you know, I've seen this, like within six weeks that you leading an environment, you already lose touch of the environment. That's just how it is. Like you create it, right? So you're already so immersed in it that you can't see out of it. So I think this is why feedback from the outsiders or like new students is so critical because hmm. they're going to tell you how weird your program is. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, you need to just keep improving your environment because that environment, if, if whatever it is, if it's a house church or you got some great youth group like room and you got all the bells and whistles like, but you need feedback from people that you trust that fit kind of the, the DNA of what you're trying to go after to, to go after that. And so you can keep kind of accommodating to, to your mission and the reality for, you know, what is this growth going to keep looking like, whatever you're measuring success off of. The other thing is, is embrace new expectations. This is, I think the most, um, this piece is kind of like, how are you going to keep moving forward? How are you going to deal with parents that don't like you? How are you going to deal with new onboarding students? Like, what are the new expectations as you grow, as you expand? Because if you're doing these first, if you're confronting mediocre, if you're downloading culture, if you're expanding, things are going to grow, right? So your procedures, your systems, you need to start creating new expectations. Okay. You know, our program starting at seven. All right. If students get here at 720, is that a new expectation or do you want them coming early? You know, so just kind of like questioning what are some new values or expectations that you want this ministry to be, you know, leader meetings. Are they going to be 30 before your program? Are you going to do them quarterly? Like just all those things that are happening in your ministry as you grow, mm. there comes a new set of problems that you need to clearly define. So that's, that's kind of like where those, those new expectations. And then you got to start thinking because I, a lot of, a lot of ministries, I see this happen a lot. Either they're too involved in like, Hey, we're just like the family of families, like a very mm. small youth ministry or, Hey, we're such a, huge, hyper-organized, systematic ministry. And you lose that, which I think, so, especially in youth ministry, those churches from like 400 to about 900, mm-hmm. they have a hard time making this switch. Either I see a church of 700 that only has seven students, or I see a church of 700 that starts to have like 100 and 150 students. And there's a misconnect of like what happened from 10 to 100. Mm. And it's those org- those ministries that were able to move from like, hey, we know everyone to, okay, now we have systems, leaders, and policies in place to then like minister to everyone. And I think this is where organize, 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 organize happens. Mm. We got to, we got to think systems. We got to think structure and we got to think schedules. So those are, those are just some things that I kind of move you to get unstuck Yeah, a little bit to, cause I think there's a grind and you're going to get stuck. And if you're not getting stuck, then I don't think you're being honest. And you know, like it's just true. Like, so anyway, there's, there's just some things that I've just kind of captured over the year just to kind of like working with so many different contexts. Cause that's a question that, especially when you get in trouble, then it's time to start asking these questions. Yeah. So just being proactive. Right. Definitely proactive. I, I think one of the biggest things that that all that is fantastic by the way um but some of the things that like the the overall ideas that i keep hearing you you come back to which i think is so crucial is this idea of identity not only Mm -hmm. personal identity but identity of the ministry that god's called you to and being true to that like figuring it out number one um Mm -hmm. because we can't just be flighty and jumping from one thing to the next all the time but being figuring it out and then just being true to it and just and and doing everything that you need to do to put that into place and to be you know, just living in the calling that God has actually called you to, to live out in, in that ministry, which is huge. 
I think. See, thank you for that. Like, I never really thought about that, but you're 100% right. Yeah. And I think why most don't do it, because I've, like, it's hard work. Yeah. Like, I've spent a lot of hours, and I'll, I don't care. Like, I'm a pretty mess. I spent a lot of hours in therapy. I spent a lot of hours with my mentors. I spent a lot of hours with my critics. And I've spent a lot of hours with you, you student pastors. And I think you're right. Like, it, you have to figure out the who to know where and what and how and all those other bigger questions. But I thank you for that. I never really made those connections. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> it, yeah, it just keeps coming out. And I think no, it's good. That's, that's one of the things that is, is really going to change and or keep changing. I've, I've seen it already change. I'm sure you yeah. have too. In youth ministry, it's going to keep changing youth ministry to, to be a true ministry of the church That's and not good. just a stepping stone or whatever it has been in the past, right. just a thing to occupy the kids. But this is this is something that's going to be truly changing the world because this ministry is going to be be more than it ever has been in the past when youth workers start to take their, their ministry yeah. serious and, and try so, to figure uh, out who they are. I, I Tony Campolo used specialties, I think it was in 2006, I could be wrong, Somewhere in the 2004 to 2007, but it really bothered me. He said, youth ministry will never be taken seriously until youth <laughs> pastors become more professional. <laughs> and that really bugged me because he's like, all their stereotypes are they love pizza. They love video games. <laughs> they stay at churches for like five months until they, you know, and that really bugged me. But I think you're right because you have to spend some time and professionals spend time perfecting their art. Right. And getting and become an expert, you know, and we heard all that, you know, Matt, Matt, Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours, right? Like mm-hmm. you need some constructive criticism to kind of help give that. And that's painful. Right. Just like, you know, anyway, I, but I, wow, this is great. This is why I love this stuff. Conversations and yeah. just kind of new, new beliefs and insights. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Well, um, Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's you been, bet, Steve. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, I'm sure that people are going to want to hear more from you and connect with you more. Where Where's the best place to connect with you online and maybe read about you? Or, or no, I think I think the easiest way is probably just Twitter. It's just my name at Jeremy J E R E M Y Z A C H Jeremy Zach at Jeremy and um, and there just start a question. You can see like and then that you know I'm I'm pretty. I'll respond, you know, hopefully somewhat in 48 hours. And, and from there we can have that, start that conversation and then go from there. It's like, Hey, you need some free resources. Sure. You know, if you need a conversation, we can schedule that. So yeah, that's just, yeah, no pressure. Just right there on Twitter and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And you bet, uh, Steve. man, may God bless your ministry. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, Jeremy's got some awesome, amazing wisdom from his years in ministry at both the local church and now with Orange and and volunteering. Um, there's so much there. So make sure you check out his Twitter, connect with him, follow him at Jeremy Zach, J-E-R-E-M-Y-Z-A-C-H. Go follow him right now and uh, tell him who we sent you. And also, if you want to connect with me on Twitter, you can do so at S-T-E-V-E-C-U-L-L-U-M. That's at Steve Cullum. And I would love to hear what you think about the podcast. And also, if you have some recommendations of other youth workers we need to talk to, make sure you send them over to me, and I will make sure that I start connecting with them and get them on a future show. We want to thank once again our sponsors, WorkCampNE at W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P. 
NE.com, the National Network of Youth Ministries at youthworkers.net, and Reach Youth New England at reachyouthne.com. We thank you so much for your sponsorship. Make sure you go check out their websites. Well, that concludes our 12th podcast. And just once again, thank you so much for an entire year of this podcast. February marks the beginning of a new year for the Student Ministry Podcast, and we are so grateful for what you've done. I am so grateful for what you've done and listening and following along and sharing and uh, writing reviews and, and sending people our way to interview. I don't know how much longer this is going to go, hopefully for many, many, many more podcasts because there's some awesome youth workers out there that need to be heard, and uh, that's what this is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in, and may God bless your ministry. Music.